0: Welcome to the Yeshiva Shalmaila. This week, we're going to be speaking about drinking in the Fruma community. And in particular, we're going to be speaking about DUI, driving under the influence. There have been a number of cases in the last little while where people under DUI, under the influence, have killed people while driving. Young adults
1: that that have gotten into accidents and uh, literally killed people. It was more than once and uh, more than once and in some of the best places, in the best of neighborhoods, best of homes.
0: Ain't bias, ain't some nice. So we're going to have a number of guests, and we're going to be speaking, start with the legal, what's the jail time, fines, other repercussions of DUI, just plain driving, what happens if you injure someone, or kill someone, what's the legal amount of alcohol you're allowed to drive with? You're going to be very surprised, I know you think it's .08, no, 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 it's much more surprising than that, much less in many cases. There's
2: a big misnomer about that out there, in any, any DUI, there's technically two DUI charges, there's whether someone was driving at a .08 or more, or separate from that, were they driving a away from alcohol that they were so impaired that they could no longer operate a motor vehicle with the care and caution of a sober person? So somebody could get a DUI if they're .04, but they get into an accident, right? They're, even though they're, they're below the legal limit that we all know about, that .08, uh, that's most common, they still had impaired driving and they still could get convicted of a misdemeanor DUI uh, under just the driving while impaired uh, count.
0: If someone gives alcohol to a minor, is he responsible for what happens as a result of the alcohol? What's called giving alcohol? Imagine you have a l'chaim, a vart, you put some wine on the table, a lot of people come in. There's a kid there, he's 18, he drinks a glass of wine. Is that called giving? Or you didn't give it to him, you just put it there. Are you required legally to ID everyone who enters? Or could you just say, look, I'm assuming that I looked at him, he looks big. What about an adult who gets drunk in your house and then goes out and is in an accident? Could you be held responsible too? That's the legal end. And from the Rabbanim, is there a mitzvah of pidgin shvuyim? For someone who got into trouble, DUI that He needs legal for his you know, regal representation, etc. According to halacha, if somebody gives drinks to others that cause damage, is he held responsible? Is there a difference between g'dayl and maktanim? If you know someone who drives under the influence, can you give him over to the authorities? Person who gives drinks to legal minors. <laughs> can you turn him over to the authorities? Is there an SMS on it? And then we'll speak about from Hashkafa, how big of a problem is drinking in our communities? And finally, what can we do as a community to stop this epidemic? We're going to have as guests for the legal part, we're going to have a super lawyer, a criminal defense attorney from California. He's frequently on the news, on the media. You can see him on YouTube, Lou Shapiro.
2: Prosecutors are, are willing to stretch charges a little bit more uh, than they would normally to, to punish people. There's nothing to say now that they won't go after an adult and, add, and charge them uh, with some type of manslaughter. Because manslaughter is defined as negligent conduct that, re- that is foreseeably likely to result in the death of another. And the argument can be made that you give alcohol to a minor you know and, you're, and you know they're going to drive, uh, you contributed. You, you should have foresaw that this could have resulted in this tragic accident. Uh, there could be uh, maybe a, a two- or three-year uh, sentence in a case like that.
0: We're going to have, for the halacha part, Rav Zalman Graus, renowned Toyen, Toyin, M'chabesfarim, an expert in Chayshin Mishpat, and Dina the Bahusa too.
3: Yeah, this, is a, this is a terrible issue goes on, much more more than that. Families are getting broken. People come addic- People getting addicted to wine, to, to who knows what. They don't come home, Shabbos. They're sitting on Kedashim, and they're getting halfway drunk. They don't know where they're going. And believe me, it's not no man, it's no woman. Where's the Shalem Ba'is getting broken? How many divorces uh, uh, for that? I'll tell you more than that. Kids, kids from seven, eight years being sent to rehabs between goyim.
4: We're going to have Chaya,
0: a pseudonym. For the wife of an alcoholic who tells the story of how her husband started going to kiddish clubs and got addicted to it and then used to come home stone drunk, where ultimately he lost his job and the family divorced him. He's someplace on the Bowery. If you see a fellow, maybe with a yarmulke on, holding a bottle of uh, Johnny Walker. It's probably Chaya's ex.
5: It's it's, it's pretty horrifying to watch a grown man get violent and be out of control and not, not in control of himself. It's it's terrifying. They don't know what they're doing, and it's 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 terrifying because they don't know their next move. They could like you know throw something lash out. Be, for the kids to be around and see that is it it's it's, it's life altering. It's, it's it's something that they will never be able to unsee.
0: And then we're going to have the famous Askin Ripsvig Luck. He's going to be talking about all the bodies he picks up, the tragedies that this is causing in our community.
6: I can give you the the actual real number. Alcoholism we're averaging 10 to 12 new cases a month. If we're dealing with it as an actual case as a client that means they're coming under our comprehensive case management system. It's not just somebody that called us and said, "Hey, this is a problem, we give them some advice." This is people that we are actually putting in to treatment in one form or another and that we're dealing
0: with their families. We're going to have Yako Feitman, the Rav of who did Sea of Cedarhurst, New York, a Rav on the ground who as Rabbanim have to deal with the reality of these situations. shivas deal with the Lumdis and Rabbanim deal with the Lamaisa.
1: It seems that the the vicissitudes of modern life and the pressures and the anxieties have caused this this terrifying um, machwa in our midst of drinking.
0: Before we go to our program, I'd like to say of art and not our nachamu. You know, the Eschanon has Kabbalah Satoira, it has all of Tfila, eschanon Tafko. And, uh, you know, the so many svarim. the Magal Amukas wrote, what is it, 500 pshatim on Vesh, the word Eshanim, But we never speak about it. All we speak about is uh, is about Nachmu. So this week we'll speak about something different. I want to speak about Ruyin Eshakailis. I was at a chasana this year. I go to one or two weddings a year. And there was, a, by the badeking there was a, a non-religious woman. And she looks at me and she says, isn't this pathetic? They cover the woman's face, so misogynistic, almost barbarian. I'll Tell you what I answered her. But let's go back to our Torah. So it says, they were, they saw the nishma. Like, why is that important that they saw the nishma? I mean, they saw it from the Kotzka, you know, also the said, but he said, they shouldn't say, like, so it had to be, very cute. But what's the word, they saw the Kailas? Like, what's the importance that it's, look, like, it's fantastic miracle, there's no doubt about it, lots of fun. But is that really important? Let me share with you, when we see something, you see all of it, you see it quickly, but we really see it on very topical, very on a very superficial level, which is what it means I mean, fool's gold. How many orphans is somebody who's very beautiful, actually very evil, right? or just mean, or just not beautiful? So you see, you see wide and fast, but superficially, but you're also sure what you saw. As a Milo, you believe what you see see what you believe nishma is something else nishma means both to hear but it also means like when you say shimeyani derherin means i can i can hear i can understand this that is not seen like a story you can tell a fantastical story of things that never happen things that can happen will never happen you could taste things about olam haba you can't see it but you could hear it you could you could hear it in your head so they're very different one is absolute it's superficial It's wide, it's broad, and you're sure. The other one is deep, it's contemplative, it it goes way beyond. So we can hear much deeper and much further than we could see. We could understand the the infinite. But usually, we never know what we hear, what what we're contemplating is true or not. There's only one time that everything we could imagine, everything we could contemplate, everything we could hear was actually so. Was by Matan Taira they were Royan hanishma. What you understood, what you believed, you actually were able to see it too. One moment in time, all of truth came together. What can be contemplated to be true and what could be visually see what you believe, it actually happened at one time. Very rare. Usually, what we believe, we can't see. We can't see. So I told this woman by the badeking, I said, you know, if the woman could see, if the Kala could see, you know what she would see. The orange salmon in the sushi and the red tuna side by side, sparkling. She would see Mrs. Fishman's Louboutin red shoes. She would see somebody else's red gown, et cetera, et cetera. I say, you know, when you cover her face with the baita you know what she sees? Suddenly, she could see her children. She could see the grandchildren that will come out of this union. She could see them going all the way, handing over the baton all the way to Mashiach. When you don't see, you could really see much further. You can actually hear at that point. Which is why, by Shema Yisrael, you've been doing it your whole life. You cover your eyes. Why do we cover our eyes? Because when we our eyes are open, we see very little. Right? We, we can't see, again, Ki loyirani. When we cover our eyes, we say, Shema Yisrael. See way past, listen, understand way past what the eye can say. Go to the olme Lamim, see the Nitzchi. You can see Kavi when you say, Shema Yisrael. The only way we see is when we cover our eyes. I heard a story from my did, Rabbi Yisrael Jacobson. He said there was a lady who went to the blind museum in Israel. It's a fabulous museum. Never been there, but it's uh, it's in the pitch black, and you really can't see. There's zero light, and it's supposed to be an experience of what it's like to be blind. So she, this woman, conveyed. She said the, her guide and all the guides are blind. And they take you through and the idea is when it's totally dark and you can't see anything, you first encounter your own senses. Your listening improves. Your skin, you could feel the ear. Your senses change, you encounter. Then you encounter others only by voice. You can't be fooled by sight. Are they good looking? Are they not? You encounter nature. They take you out for a pot into nature in a way that you never did. And the entire time you're guided by a totally blind from birth guide so she said her guide was amazing he explained the senses and the feelings and what it's like to be blind and when they finished this hour tour it says as if they were blind but at the end they come into a cafeteria to have a a, you know have a drink and she saw for the first time her guide who was just so his mellifluous voice and his power of description she said like the guide she was in love with him it was just the way he described it was awesome and then they came out to the cafeteria to the light and she looked at the guide and he was quite hideous looking right he was totally blind and it seems he didn't disguise it so i guess his eyes were blind man's eyes right and his face was packed mark he was a particularly not good looking person and she was like drew back she's like revulsed. and then she said you know the only time i was able to see him was when i couldn't see and the minute i saw i couldn't see him anymore So what does it mean? For one time, the words, the way we understood, we saw them too. Otherwise, the next time you say Shema Yisrael, if you really want to listen to your child, you really want to understand, you really want to see a child, you really want to see your father, you really want to see somebody you love, you know the best way to do it is? If you want to really see them, cover your eyes. Let's go to our riddle of the week. Sh'may Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Shalchan Aruch HaRachaim, Gimel says that for Kadosh, Kedushu, Baruch Hu, even be Emtzah Pasek. The question is: Kriya Sh'may is Kabbalah or Malchus and he's Eisik be why don't you say, it's true, Also, will There's not a problem, okay? But there's a different problem. I'm potter from Amen Ubaruch Why? Because I'm an oisig b'mitzvah of Kabbalah's O Shemayim, of of Shema. So I'm potter at that point, from the mitzvah tzvila of Amen Ubaruch Hey, nachin no is din of Paskinan. Potlchari should be potter. Also, din of Isik b'mitzvah, potta mitzvah. That is one riddle. Here's another riddle: Ksaftem al mezuzah is peisachu as In Menaches, taflamet Rashi and Rabbi Tam, How do you put the mezuzah? Rashi says put her upstanding. That's what Asfar them do. Rabbi Tam says you put it flat. The Torah in Yeridea says the and they do it on a slant. This way, it's it's Sai Rashi and Sai Notham, and Rama says v'chaynago, the higher it's a pella. When you put it on a slant, it's not standing and not laying. So why do we put it at a slant? You should say, put one mezuzah up, flip a coin, you do like Rashi Rabbeinu right? And and decide. But to do it at a slant, you're not yoytza both, you're not yoytza both. Those are our two riddles of the week. I remember when I was in the mirror, Rav Nochem shot in this. And the boys went over to Rebbe Yashiv, and he argued vigorously. Maybe next week when we do the answers, I'll tell you what Rebbe Nachum said and what Trouble Yashiv said. If you want to leave a message by phone or dial in by phone to listen, in America, our number is seven three two eight zero six eighty seven hundred. In England, it's 44, that's the country code, three three zero one one seven zero two five zero. 70250 In Eretz Yisrael, it's... Uh, Zero two three seven two zero three oh four. So let's go to our wonderful guests.
4: Joining us from California is a super lawyer, Lou Shapiro. He's a former public defender. He's a television commentator. You can find him on YouTube. He's certified by the State Bar. He does both state and federal criminal defense. Um, he's one of the high-profile lawyers in California. Welcome, uh, Mr. Shapiro. So, Luke, what's the uh, somebody's driving DUI? Doesn't hurt anybody. Gets c- pulled over by the cops. What repercussions are there to being, being caught DUI?
2: Well, usually there's a fine involved. There's a probationary period where they're not permitted to drive with any measurable amount of alcohol. There's a driver's license suspension period uh, and an alcohol program that one must do.
4: Let's say somebody's negligent and they don't, they don't do the course, et cetera. What happens?
2: Well, then they could be in violation of probation and face other consequences such as uh, community labor, Caltrans, or even jail if they don't show proper respect for their probationary obligations.
4: Okay. now's the next step. Somebody's DUI, they get into an accident and they injure somebody. What happens then? Well,
2: then they're looking at the greater consequences. Once somebody is, is injured a uh, hurt or fatality, then there's what's called sentencing enhancements on top of the underlying charge. And those enhancements, when they are added to the complaint, which is filed by the prosecution, those add uh, years, additional years in prison, uh, like I said, depending on the, the extent of the injury or harm.
4: Let's say somebody kills somebody, DUI. What would be the, uh, so the the penalty?
2: Yeah, so then we're looking at, at manslaughter, a uh, charge of death vehicular manslaughter, uh, which, uh, you know, 10 plus years at least could be more depending on, uh, and what their blood alcohol level was, uh, what the major circumstances were of the offense, what the defendant's criminal history is defending. You know, out here in Los Angeles, we had a, a, a national case, a Winter Hills crash this week, and they actually charged uh, a nurse with murder when she was driving 100 miles per hour through an intersection. It's unclear if there was even alcohol involved or drugs, but the point is they actually filed murder charges on her, which is unusual because murder can be defined as depraved uh, conduct that, that is coming from a depraved heart. When you act in a certain way that is very likely to result in, in death or bodily harm, it's basically it's like dropping a bowling ball from a, standing over a free overpass. That's depraved heart, and that could be murder.
4: So somebody's driving 80, 90, 100 miles on a 30-mile zone, um, what's the minimum they would get if it was a first-time offender?
2: And we're talking about no injury?
4: With And kill somebody. Oh, I mean,
2: if... It, it, if they're under the influence and there's a debt, uh, I, I don't see how they're going to, to get anything below uh, to start, um, maybe somewhere around the 10-year mark
4: minimum. Wow, that's a lot. If you were defending it, how would you defend a case like that?
2: Well, you, you try to show a, a judge and a prosecutor uh, any redeeming factors or equitable factors about the client. So if it, let's say they the client, right after this incident, takes it, you know accountability, shows accountability for it, and enrolls in a, in a residential treatment program uh, for an extended time, like six months to a year. Uh, shows a, a, a genuine uh, remorseful action for the conduct uh, that obviously would be taken into account in, in mitigation. Um, you, obvi- you also hope that the the family of the victims, uh, you know, are more on the compassionate side rather than the, the you know. Vengeful side, and we'll say, "Look, this is a one-time incident. This is tragic. The person is showing accountability for it. Uh, you know, telling the prosecutor, you don't have to, to look, try to you don't have to ask for the max necessarily on this person. Uh, the younger the person, obviously, that maybe a little bit more compassion will be given because, as we you know, younger people are not able to think like adults necessarily. So um, there's there's developmental differences in terms of the thought process." And that—that's about it. You know, those are the major factors you try. And if
4: you—if you took those factors, could you get it down to like five years or no?
2: It's probably closer to a seven or eight. I think all the way down to five, it, it, it could be, but it, I think it's unlikely.
4: And does that mean if you, if somebody gets seven or eight, like can they get half with time served, with you know, to, you know, beha- well, good behavior, or does that not work with federal? How does that work?
2: Uh, so every state is different. Uh, so, if a certain if a state classifies a certain crime as a a violent felony, or then sometimes you serve the person would serve eighty to eighty five percent of that time versus fifty percent if it's nonviolent. So it depends how the deal is orchestrated and structured, and that would determine if they do fifty percent or a higher percentage.
4: Now, do, do prosecutors usually look to deal because they don't want to go to trial or in a DUI where it's fairly obvious they don't care? So if it's like a – if it's your
2: run-of-the-mill DUI and, and the, the lawyer is trying to say, well, my, my client was really maybe under a .08 at the time of driving and there was no injury to anyone, yeah, in those cases – get tried more often because there's maybe some good scientific scientific forensic evidence you can put out there and and you don't have the the issue of of sympathy or compassion so much for a victim. But once you get into a case where the person is is well over the legal limit and somebody gets hurt or there's a death involved, those cases usually don't go to trial because the sympathy factor is so strong on the government side that the defense really has no hope. And going to trial oftentimes will result in what we call a trial tax, meaning if the defendant is not showing early acceptance of responsibility and is rather dragging the case out unnecessarily rather than trying to resolve it earlier on, uh, that also gets taken into account in the sentencing.
4: Now, what's the legal amount of alcohol allowed to drive? Is it like a shot, like so your average 150, 175-pound male or 125-pound female? How many ounces? Like, What would you say? All right, so, so
2: that's a good question. There's a big misnomer about that out there. So in any, any DUI, there's technically two DUI charges. There's whether someone was driving at a point oh eight or more, or separate from that, were they driving it away from alcohol that they were so impaired that they could no longer operate a motor vehicle with the care and caution of a sober person? So somebody could get a DUI if they're 0.04, but they get into an accident, right? Even though they're they're below the legal limit that we all know about, that 0.08 that's most common, they still had impaired driving, and they still could get convicted of a misdemeanor DUI uh, under just the driving while impaired count. But going back to your question, so let's say, the driving is good, so that's not really an issue. We're just looking at someone maybe speeding a bit, and they, they blow 0.08. What did they have to drink to get to that 0.08?
4: Well,
2: generally, uh, for bars are supposed to measure drinks, as they call them, legal drinks, a certain amount of ounces per drink that so allows someone to somewhat measure what they're drinking. So technically, there shouldn't be more than 0.02% by blood alcohol in each drink that they're giving. So meaning, uh, you know, Technically, like let's say three to four beers would be a, would, would get you there, or or uh, three or four shots would get somebody there. Would
4: we'll get you to um, 0.08. To, to, to point because because if each short, shot if each shot is 0.02, so it's two four six eight, or if it's three, it's right. three six. So yeah.
2: Right, but then again, that, that's the average. But then you're right. But if somebody is maybe thinner, or they just metabolize, they don't or they drink on an empty stomach. It could take a little bit less than that to get them to that threshold. And, uh, and a woman tends to require less drinks to get to the same uh, level as a male. Is
4: that because uh, they're women or because they're weightless?
2: Uh, I, no, it's just because of, the, uh, because of the anatomy. There's forensic studies that were performed on both male and female, and this is uh, what came out of it.
4: Okay. Now, let's say you give alcohol to a minor, and a minor means in New York or New Jersey is, is less than 21, right? Um, are you responsible for what happens because of the alcohol? It's a good
2: question. I mean, we, we are seeing in the law that prosecutors are, are willing to stretch charges a little bit more uh, than they would normally
6: to, to
2: punish people. Uh, so if you were to ask me this question, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I'd say no. They're not going to – the adult's not going to really – nothing's going to happen. But there's nothing to say now that they won't go after an adult and, add, and charge them. Uh, with some type of manslaughter. Because manslaughter is defined as negligent conduct that, re- that is foreseeably likely to result in the death of another. And the argument can be made that you give alcohol to a minor, you know, and, you're, and you know they're going to drive, uh, you contributed. You, you should have foresaw that this could have resulted in this tragic accident. So it wouldn't surprise me if the, if, if an adult was charged with manslaughter. Uh, as a result of that conduct.
4: And what's the, what's the, what is manslaughter? What's the uh, jail time for manslaughter? Uh, uh,
2: there could be uh, maybe a, a two or three year, uh, sentence in a case like that.
4: What's called um, giving alcohol? Like, you have a, your daughter becomes engaged and there's a party and there's wine on the table and whoever wants, I guess, could take a drink. Is, is that cool that you gave it to them? Meaning because you put it there
2: and it's on yeah. the table? Yeah. I mean, if you, if someone knows that there's going to be minors coming to that table and, and you're not being careful to make sure they're not taking, yeah, willful indifference is not a defense. Right, you can't put your head in the sand and say I didn't know what was happening even though it's your house, your table, and your function.
4: So are you required to ID everyone who enters the house?
2: Uh, yeah, technically yes. You are required to ID whoever's coming to, you know, that table and 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 if they're a minor and they don't have an ID, you say I'm sorry, I cannot serve you alcohol. It's it's illegal for me. Serving alcohol to a minor is a different uh, crime in and of itself.
4: Talk about it's that. What's the legal. What is, what is that?
2: Well, it's a, it could be a misdemeanor, which could result in like a fine, let's say, right? It's not going to result in jail time, but it's still, it's, it's a separate cause of action, too.
4: So are there legal restrictions? You have a party at home, and your friend Fred comes over, and he takes, he drinks 10 shots or 15 shots, he drives home and kills somebody. Could you legally be charged with that, or do you say, look, it's an adult, I, I can't control the guy, what's...
2: So when you start getting into adult-to-adult, I think it's uh, less likely um, to be charged because at that point, every adult's responsible for their own decisions that they make, right? A minor is, is different.
4: So here's my question to you. Let's say the person drinking, the minor you're giving to is 20 years old. Now, except for alcohol... In any other way, he's an adult. Like if he shot somebody, he'd be tried as an adult, right? So wouldn't yeah. the defense be, listen, he may be a minor. He's not allowed to drink alcohol, but for everything else, he's an adult. So you can't charge me. I mean, it's adult to adult.
2: It's an argument to make, but once the once the government decides to treat someone who's 20 as an adult, you're basically you as a co-defendant or co, you know, you're on the hook for what what the government. Is, uh, is, it's an extension for the other party, basically.
4: So, but if I was the adult who gave the alcohol to the 20-year-old, I would say, look, as far as I'm concerned, legally, the guy's an adult. He's a lot of boy guns. He's, he's a a minor, you mean? Well, this 20-year-old, for alcohol, he's a minor. He's not allowed to drink. But for everything else, he's an adult, which means he should be right. responsible for his behavior.
2: Well, it depends which, which hat you're wearing, if you're wearing the yep. hat of a prosecutor or... Yeah, but I'm
4: the hat of the, the homeowner. I'm the hat of the homeowner. That's what the lawyer for the homeowner. Wouldn't that be a good defense?
2: It's, look, it's an argument to make, right? It, but it's up to a, a jury in a civil case to decide how much weight is going to be given to that.
4: Right. Lou, this was a really great interview. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lou. Yeah. Joining us from New York is Rev. Zalman Grouse, who is arguably, but in my opinion, the uh, best, Toyin Boyer in America. He was an editor for the Oitz Raposkim. He's a Machaber uh, Rishuye Se'eravin at Habori He was a Maggid in Bells, and he's a, a, a very famous dayan. Welcome, Rabbi Gross. Hi. So
3: let's
4: Hi, talk Rabbi about it. Richard, what's,
3: your, what's new of your mind
4: now? Okay, so here's a, 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 a case DUI driving under the influence. Now is in. Uh, there's a lot of drinking going on in our community. Let's take a hypothetical case: a guy is DUI. He's uh, he he gets drunk in somebody's house, right? He gets at, let's say it's it's a minor. He got you know, which minor means under 21, right? So he could be sure a galal la He he goes out in his car and he goes and he's not. Ah. And he's put into jail. He hurt somebody. He was drinking under the influence and he, if he killed somebody, it would, be, it would be involuntary manslaughter. Is there a din of pigeons for him to raise money for a person like this for his uh, defense, bail, etc.? Well, listen,
3: Stan, you're asking me a very narrow question, but it has a wide, wide background, this question. You start with Hoshimishpit. Uh, <laughs> this, this is a terrible issue goes on, much more, more than that. Families are getting broken. People come addic- people getting addicted to wine, to, to who knows what. They don't come home Shabbos. They're sitting on Kedashim and they're getting halfway drunk. They don't know where they're going. And believe me, it's not no men, it's no women. Where's the Shalom B'ayi's getting broken? How many divorces are uh, for that? I'll tell you more than that. Kids, kids from seven, eight years being sent to rehabs between goim. We don't have our Reheps. They drink on the Tikkun. They get a Tikkun Shomer. They give, shome. give bromfen, liquor, and the child, what is, this is in the genes. Many children, nothing. They drink and they spit it out. But many children getting addicted to it.
4: Let's go back to Chay Shemesh, But Is it a mitzvah to raise money for his, um, his lawyers, his bail? Is there a dinner pidgin
3: him? Okay, it is very, it is not a general question. It's an individual question. That means they're, according to the circumstances. In the Gemara in Gitan, it's a whole Shayleh, Amoichar, If you have high even if they will eat them up, if he's, if he's sold by himself, you don't have to eat them up. and <laughs> that's, that's the question in the Gemara. In our situation, is no different. Somebody is a mazik, is he not chayv likdoisa? You know, you have to see that he in jail, and he should not, he should not kill people. Is, no that tr- is, that, is that true? Do you have a riot to that? Yes, yes. I, somebody was somebody was uh, was emsukun. Uh, you have to put them in jail. It's no question. Shachnoch is written that somebody was emsukun uh, a rabim. As as a you have to put them in jail. Not, not, in oh, ink- but that is okay. But, but let me, but, but Re- Re- Rabbi Graus is referring in, to a walk, I believe in it's a, one second, yeah. uh, one second, one second, one second. But according to the circumstances, there is not the same. And sometimes, one person you see, according right. to circumstances, he did something, it was him, it was a chasne, it was un- unconscious, he didn't know what he's drinking. They gave him to drink something, with was more than usual. But if that's mean, he will go out from the jail, maybe he won't do it anymore. But if this is somebody what he will do it again, then definitely you have to leave him there. You have to see he should not be around people. He is a, he is a for the society. But uh, that's according to section. You cannot say a general rule in this kind of things. It happens, unfortunately, The kids, or even Bokhari, they don't know because it's is going to happen him to him when he's drinking something he doesn't know the fact he didn't have the experience in it and he was not so told by his rabbiin his majigihim unfortunately that he should not drink and he doesn't know the consequences it's hard to tell him yes he should see sit in jail no specifically what happens in the jail you know in america you are among people that they, that they cause you to do a very it, it is a very terrible situation in 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 jail. You know that. And, but, from the other hand, if there's a person what continues to do that, definitely should go into jail. Therefore, it's hard to say, but that is, that is, uh, is, is no question about it.
4: Okay, so you you've covered a lot of ground, so let me go through slowly. The the, 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 the Gemara says that Pidgin Shriyim is something that has both Rav and Cheriv, right? It's it's oilal kulam It's, it's, it's oil kula cool Right? It has. Do you believe that today's but, jails? But, but, have, i, I I'm just. I'm just asking. Do you believe today's de- jails have have a din of Rav and Maves
3: that they should? It's not not only the issue. It's not Pinchas Shvim. I'm, what you're talking there's always we use russian Kurdish words that doesn't fit in. Okay. Pid and means when a different country came. Conquered the land and they took it. Robbers took a person, an innocent person. They took him away, and now you want, they want money for him. That's a totally different story.
4: So, but but Rabbi Graus, but, and that's Good.
3: not issue. But Good. on the other hand, there's other mitzvahs. There's other mitzvahs. Unfortunately, if sometimes happens, and they, they may put him may put him in jail for 20 years if he kills somebody, and and they, according to the circumstances. But I know many people don't know, they don't know the precautions, what happens if you drink wine. They don't know what happens. It happens every day. It's very unfortunate. You know, our community is not aware. They push it under the drugs. And uh, they don't talk about that. It. This itself, you are you are I I don't know, you don't accept what I'm saying. No, uh, Rabbi Graf, I'm, I'm trying to, to Rabbi Graz, kids, I'm, I was involved I was involved in divorces in kids that were from former kids, they were sent in rehabs between Goyim. The mother used to go with a mobile every Shabbos and she was there in this in this rehab centre, she was there for Shabbos and slept in the rehab in the in the mobile Ate in the mobile because she wanted to take care of this child. You, what do you think? Who came? How the child came out from there? I'm a little bit emotional about that. No, no, that's a... emotional Because I, I lived, I lived the two through.
4: Good. So have a good your point is you're saying it's not pigeon shrium because you said because a Chevy is where they go and they catch somebody, they catch an innocent person and they hold them for ransom. A. It's just not a Chevy. B it's not um I'm saying because it's not <laughs> haloli cherev, haloli rov, etc But it could still be a mitzvah of tzedakah That's the debate here. But pigeon shrewam is not. It could be a mitzvah yeah. tzedakah yeah. And your point is now the question is should you collect tzedakah for such a person? Not because they go around oh pigeon shream, gobble cool them. It's not. Could it be a duck, absolutely, helping somebody, but if you're being mazik, it's Sibur, it's not Sadaka. So you said, it depends. If it's somebody who did it inadvertently, they weren't aware, it was a mistake, and they're never doing it again. I remember when I was 13 or 14, I still remember this, I got drunk on Purim. I had no idea what I was doing. I was so sick. I thought I, I vomited my, from the time I was two, I was, I never, yeah, I vomited everything I ate. And I have to tell you, I never got drunk since then. And it's, it's decades. So you're saying, if it's a one-time thing, you know, but if this is somebody who drinks and, and knows that it's wrong and, 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 and is therefore a danger to the tzibur if they get into their car. And in that case, there would not be a Mitzvah Sadaka because he has a den of a Mazik Larabin. Yeah. Okay, good. I just wanted to. Now, there's an interesting Ramosha in two places where he talks about, in one place, he talks about uh, somebody who was a thief who was stealing uh, crowns of our... He was stealing Seferi Torah and the crowns, and they caught him. And Ramosha writes, You're not allowed to report him to the authorities and he brings the Gemara I think it's from, from the Gemara uh, the Gemara I think it's in my cotton that Reshlochish who was Shaimah Pardis I don't have it in front of me now and he put somebody in Cherem for stealing he was the Shemar Pardis and the guy kept stealing the figs so Lakish put him in Cherem and they told him you had no right to put him in Cherem a Ganeth is a Yah. Uh, a is, is this Jermosh says you cannot punish somebody more than he's supposed to be punished and therefore if they're going to this of the of the of the, the Sifrit Torah and the crowns if they're going to take him you're going to be over on that you're giving somebody. The, um, you're giving somebody more oh, here it is It's an, more of a punishment that Tyra would give him and you're not allowed to do it and therefore don't give the person and in another place where somebody who in Baltimore who traced up the whole Baltimore was serving trace meat to the whole city with falsha plumbers Hermosha says the same thing you can't punish somebody more than the halacha do you understand it? it's, it's, it's seemingly a very new psaac
3: look, let me tell you the, we don't punish anybody we don't have the power to it but if there's no other way, then you may give him over Lamalchus. That is the it's very hard to talk about, and I don't like to talk about that, even because people take everything in general, and people ask from one occasion to the other occasion. There is a difference between somebody did something, you are not the person to punish him. You are not the person to give the malchus. You, you don't have the parameters how to measure exactly what punishment is entitled. That, that is the problem. That is what the not doesn't, doesn't give you authority. And you don't have even the talim, the, the means, the tools, how to measure and to know exactly what punishment is entitled. Because the halacha has different categories for punishment than the government. But there is another issue, not because you want to punish him. Not therefore. If you want to prevent, future is a different story. I'm not talking about punishment. Not Definitely I'm not talking about punishment. You are not who to punish any person, whatever he did. That's not for you to punish. But if there is no best, no authority, nothing is being can be done to prevent. If somebody is in a community and he did many things, that he dangers the community. You have no choice, only to give him for, for uh, to to give him for the tolerance. So what's the standard? You have a, you, Rabbi Grouse. You have a neighbor
4: who, who who drinks and drives. Would you call the police on him? It's
3: not my problem. So whose problem is it? But that if he drinks, if he does it, if he does it, yes, I should call the police.
4: So I'm saying no, you have a neighbor. Not once. Not once, and he he drinks and he drives. Would you call the police on him?
3: Yes. Oh, yes, I, 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 I would, I don't know if I would But if somebody, I'm not so proactive person But uh, I personally But if somebody asks me if he may do it Yes, he may do it Because he's it is, it is dangerous He may kill somebody, it's dangerous He doesn't stop you I would tell him, did you talk to this guy? Did you send somebody to this guy? You should stop it Did you warn him? But this is all, everything is circumstantial
4: Okay. Now another thing, Ramesh struggles to, with.
3: If, if the intention is, yep. if the intention is to stop them to do it in the future, should do it. Later.
4: What about Rabbi Rabbi Grouse? Sometimes somebody does something that's really bad, and he only does it once. For example, the guy who traced up the whole Baltimore. He served fleshy of meat to the whole. Well, this guy Finkel traced up the whole Muncie, right? So. You could say, listen, no. he's not going to do it again because he's not getting another butcher, Nobody's ever going to trust him again, right? So we should not give him over. No. There is another argument that says, no. le man If people see that he got away with it, the next guy says, oh, right, Les Dinville is dying. I'm going to open up a tray for butcher store because the punishment was Nothing. So is there any uh, issue, is there a reason for a community to protect itself? For example, let's say the Gemara Mbaba but by uh, by Reb uh, Shimon was used to give over Ganavim uh, uh, um, uh, um, 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 to the Medina. He doesn't say that they were ga- going to many times, even if they were going to one time. And what is it? Because if, the, if there's no punishment, what does the next guy see? He says, crime pays.
3: You're asking me a moral question. I must tell you, I'm very... Very strict to the left of, of halach, and I am not uh, I'm not in far. I don't take I don't, I don't take you moral issues so much in not I personally, but this is not my my occupation. I can only quote the Rambam what I told you before. The Rambam says, "Chol ve'la Mazik Peik Sof Koydalaft Kolam Meitzer Letzibur Umetzayrosim Mutele Mosrobi Yadagoyim Lahakos So Losro." The Does it? Be, I I understand what Shati Rambam is not that you are afraid that he will do it in the future. Maybe the man is but that is the lesson from. Drama. I cannot add, I cannot, uh, I cannot, okay. so, let me, this, this word. so let me, and, so let me, so let me, quote you a Ritzvah. If a moral question, that maybe, um? uh, maybe, maybe you have to ask uh, people that know better, or they're bigger okay. than me, or they have R- R- more the courage Rabbi to Grouse, do it, but part, but I Grouse. would, I, I would, definitely, I would listen to each case, individual.
4: So let me, okay. Rabbi Graus, let me. Let me quote you a Ritva and a Rajva. The Rajva brought him in Hishemishbird, Shin Paifeth and Vaisuf. He says he's going on the story of Rabalazab Reb Shiman, right? Who meed Hamalchas, Laharid Balahasra, Liyaser Hailam, Kamaishirinu Bid David, Shahai Gir even though it was the only time the Gair did it. He never did it another time. Right? He says there's an the Indian of. <laughs> this is the washing of the Ritzvah. And that's who he explains why Rabbi Ezra Shimon would go and give over Ganavim, first time Ganavim, right, to the Malchus Hariga. Why? Because imagine if you told the Ganev, here's the rule. If you get caught, you have to pay the money back. And if you don't get caught, you're going to keep the money. So what's, what's a ganav got to lose, right? So, the sort Rishon of, and the, Rajabas, the Rajabas says the same thing. He says the concept of Island. there's people should understand that there's that there's, there's rules. Society has rules, and you can't say, "Oh, the first time you do anything, it's for free."
3: Rabbi Liechtenstein, there is an other side to that coin. We are living in a society but everybody may kill the other person and say he's a Russian, he's who knows what, never has his opinion, who knows what he did, and he'll give you all kinds of excuses why the other person is a Russian and he's a Tzadik. And they're preoccupied with all this kind of nonsense. If you go on the street, specifically in Israel, you will see every time a different, uh, how you call it, uh, Street, Pashkavil, or whatever you call it, and you see there's a Russian, there's a Pikoyas, what he did, and then it turns out that the whole is baloney. Never did it, never do it, all kinds of stories. Therefore, you cannot go and say in public, whoever oh, did that and that. Oh, I saw him driving drunk. Why is he driving drunk? Because I see on the nose that he was drunk. He was not careful enough. You cannot say that. You have to be careful in these kind of things. Yes, there is circumstantial and not in public, if you are clear that this person is. And between me and you, it will not be a manish It's unfortunately many times the police arrest the person for much, much worse they're doing, and people say no, 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 no. That was only uh, the police is because they are anti semite and they are And if, if 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 you if you see a police stop somebody because he's uh, on the 17th, you will see people our our people that drive like crazy that they drive there on 80, and the police will stop them. They will say he's anti semite He so from the far that I'm a Jewish person, and therefore he's stopped. You know he has a, he has a high quality machine the the what 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 checks but that is the tendency what our people have and the man Roy is not always will do the job.
4: Another question. So
3: let's say they 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 arrest this
4: this this minor. He's under twenty one, right? And he could go to jail for manslaughter. So they say, you know, we're going to give you a deal that if you give up the person who got you drunk, the house where you go, wherever it is, that will will give you a, a shorter sentence. Is he allowed to do that or not?
3: No. if he gave him, if he gave, let, let, me, let me put it different words. What mean he gave him to drink? It's legal to give somebody drink. He's no, a drink. No, 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 he's a minor. He's, he's a, a minor. minor yeah, he's a minor. He's a minor. Uh, okay. is no such thing a minor. Uh, After Bar Mitzvah. doesn't... Looks that is a minor, and I don't think halachically he is allowed to do that. He well, is. What about Dina? What about Dina? License?
4: But Dina the Malchusa said he's not allowed to give this person to drink. And he said, yes. I'm not now, mocked but on Dina the Malchusa. I don't what care about do, Dina the Malchusa.
3: What, what has to do with mehilchas mesira and Dina the Malchusa? So is
4: there a din of mesira yes. if you're doing if something?
3: Master somebody because,
4: they, because they're doing what's what's the right yes, thing. Yes. He's doing what's halachically allowed. That. Let,
3: let me let me tell you. There's a Chuvil Marshall. If somebody gave for he gave for somebody else uh, at that time was a big business that they couldn't see if it was the gold is it covered only with gold or or it's the real gold. They used to give something that looks like gold or silver, and inside it was simply metal. Metal covered with gold, and they got caught. The question is, if you may put it may say that who, who gave it to him, who sold it. The mashal says, if he fooled you in, then you may you may give him in. That's what mashal says, because he caused you damage. You may you may uh, defend yourself. But if you knew at the time when you bought it that this is not gold, you sold it as gold, then he has nothing to do with the other guy.
4: You yeah, but there's a difference. But there's a I difference think. between these two cases. In you, in the case of the gold, there's a guy. He has a story. He says, "I sell covered gold, covered silver, covered um fake. You know, like everything. All silverware. A lot of it is silver coated. He's not doing anything wrong. But here,
3: giving to the miner is against
4: the law. It's wrong.
3: It, you are right. It's wrong. It's morally wrong. So it's legally wrong and halachically and, halogically, and halogically wrong. Yes. Yes. Lakically I really I think always is wrong when you give wine and even if you drink wine is also wrong. But, but here it's a, uh, here it's is the, it's against the Dina de Mahusa. But, of the, to, but yeah,
4: it's the Mahusa. Which is meant to protect which is Dina meant to protect society. It's not like some Dina de Mahusa, it's a Dina Mahusa everybody'd be mighty to protect the roads from drunk drivers is a real din of Dina de Mahusa. Most opinions would agree. Yes.
3: yes, like, but, but Yes. Yes, but this is totally different. If you ask me if you should do it, if allowed to do it, I'll tell you not. What us he? What say the boy was? what's say, say the boy
4: was? let's say the boy was thirteen and a half years old, and he knows he has a car, and he shakes on. should Are you allowed to give the guy over?
3: Again, again, if
4: you, you would say the same you thing, have you can't.
3: Have he's driving? He he has a how car. Drive, he, he,
4: how has how he has a car. Drive? He got a car. Thirteen-year-old yes. got a car
3: without no a
4: license. Without a license. A car.
3: I have no license. Without a license. Without a license,
4: and, and now you're the bus, and you're giving him alcohol, and you know he's going to drive. Are you allowed to give the person over or not?
3: Rabbi but you're asking me a question. In this, let's analyze this question first. Dinah de Machus is you should not give him wine. Right. Dine de is not, doesn't say you have to give him over. This is no law. No. no, I agree with that. I, I agree with you. Your, I agree with that. That's that's how that that, that that means this giving over doesn't fit in the category of the Malchus.
4: Agreed! But i say you're not yeah. being wise, you're being so
3: to is not, Therefore is not allowed it's, to do that. Only if he fooled him. Let's see if he fooled him.
4: Rabbi I understand. Let me ask you a question. The Gemara says Rebbe Lezeb Reb Shemin used to give Gayim to the Malchus, right? Ganovim to the Malchus Leplia. Yes. And Rabbi Shemal, the Marbury Sutanayim was in it, right? Is somebody allowed to go to Rebel Ezra Reb, yes. Reb, Lezab, Reb Shemin, and Because he was Herman at the Malchus, he was the head of the police. Is somebody allowed to go to Rebel Ezra Reb, Lezab, Reb, yes. Reb Shemin, and say, by the way, I have to tell you that so uh, and so is a Ghanis. And therefore, he knows that Rebel Ezra Reb, Lezab, Reb, Lezab, Reb is going to take the guy and give him to
3: the Malchus, to Fat Lahariga. Is it also to do that? That's Muta because why do Moisir? means Moisir means, It doesn't say Jew or Goy, Moeser means you give it for an Alem. That means you are mom is Yisroel, for somebody that will handle it not halakhically. He will rob, he will Right, steal. but if it's
4: halakhically, it's, so, it's,
3: it's okay, Shimon, right? And azab Shimon definitely did something halakhically, he was allowed to do that, no?
4: He was allowed to give him so over to the government. So I'm asking you: you're, uh, the government is uh, allowed. To, the government, is allowed to prosecute this person, even halachically, right? When it, when the government prosecutes the government somebody, is, is it doing it halachically or not halachically? The
3: government, from their side, doing halachically only the corrupt is not doing that. Right. But if or it's they, or if they differentiate between Republican or Democrat, whatever. Or, but if it's or if it's, but if it's not, if, if, it's, they, if, they, if they goes according to the law, definitely they are they have. A, so yeah. is there a,
4: so is there a problem a, of
3: Mesirah,
4: good, so is there a din of masirah when I'm giving it over to the person who's doing what is halakhically correct? And I'm bringing you a raya from Rezal <laughs> Shimon, I'm bringing you a raya from Rezal Shimon, then it, it, it wouldn't be a problem.
3: I start to say there is a dim for Moisir, is a pigeon and shui and these words being used in Moisir means for an honest o It's no different. Now, nah, a diff- if there is an opinion different if you give it over Malchus in our time. What well, they are not anosim, they are doing what the law requires to them to do. If this is Bahlal in Indian sea, but most in our opinion, in our time, even if we have here a malchus relatively malchus shalcheset America, they feel that you should not give her over to malchus. Specifically, people who are going to sit in jail. They may have go from a jury that the juries are not so sympathetic to you, or the judges are not so sympathetic to the Jews. They may give him more than the law requires because he's a Jew. The second issue is you're going to put them in a jail. Between zombies and not normal handling, that's not including in the law, that you have to be among them and suffer from them. Therefore, a lot of rabbis' opinion is that in our time, even in America, they do according to the law, but unfortunately they may have different negative opinions.
4: So just finish this point. You were you were making the point that that rabbis say today that because of the jail circumstances and the fact that they could become nifka, blah, 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 the juries are they think would not necessarily be fair, or the fact that they they said that there would be a problem of masira even bizarre, even in a in a just society. Yes, yes, yes.
3: It is just, but it's not fully just. That okay. is that is their opinion. And I know there is different opinions, there are many Rabbanim that hold other ways. It's not Shaykh in these kind of situations. I would I would the back this individual question to every situation is different what he committed, what he does, how many times he does it. Yeah. Rabbi Grouse it's
4: always educational and it's enjoyable to have you on. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, thank you. We have on the phone with us Chaya, who has a very, I think, important story to share with us. Welcome, Chaya. Hi. Can you share with us your story and your experiences with alcohol?
5: Um, yeah. So when I first got married, my my husband was not. Um, he wasn't so into it. Um, I think it came about after a couple of years. I think it started with my son, Shomzacher, and um, it, it, it continued on. Like At first, I didn't really pay attention. Um, it was like, okay, he'll have something at the table for shadows and he, he started to invest in more more things, and he like used the word connoisseur a lot, um, which I think was the beginning of the fact that I, I didn't really recognize it for what it was. It was just like, okay, he's into it. It's a habit. It's a, it's a hobby. It's like something he does for fun, and he... He, like, prided himself on knowing all these fancy names, all the single malts and things like that, um, as, as things progressed. And it got, it got, like, little by little, it got worse and worse. It would start at the Sabbath table, and it would eventually kind of cross over into, um, like, other, other times during Shabbos, and then eventually it was, like, weeknights. It's, 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 it's pretty horrifying to watch a grown man get violent and be out of control and not, not in control of himself. It's, it's terrifying because that's not, that's not who the, first of all, a grown man is, 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 is strong. And when they're drunk, they like don't even, they can't control their movements and they just kind of like flail around and, and they don't know what they're doing. And it's, it's, it's terrifying because they don't know their next move. They could, like, you know, throw something, lash out, be, 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 for the kids to be around and see that is, it, it's, it's life altering. It's, it's, it's something that they will never be able to unsee. Usually, though, the, the, the usual course of his, um, his drinking habit was that he would kind of start the table, uh, on Shabbos. This was like, ah, uh, he would start the table, end up on the couch, make his way to bed, and, like, sleep through the rest of Shabbos pretty much till Abdullah. Sometimes I would make Abdullah myself. Other times he would manage to wake up in time, especially in the summer. He had time to sleep it off, so he would make a doll. During the week, at the worst point, he would just be drinking all night and then sleep all day.
4: And did he have a job?
5: Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, he, he, um, he had his own business, but he kind of ran it into the ground. He wouldn't be able to move. He would just sleep till 2 or 3 in the afternoon and then get up and start the entire process all over again.
4: And did he? Did you go to bungalow colonies? I mean, did he drink at or Was at bungalow colonies? Was it in
5: public yeah, so, or just in um, private? Right. So um, when we would go away, he would, you know, of course, like shul. He would go to shul probably just to like go to the kiddush. And if there was a shomzacher while we were away, he would go. And also in town, like he would, he would do the same thing. And it would, he would make it a priority to like, you know, uh, to go to this. To whatever it was, either Sholom or Kiddush or whatever, he would he would just go and and see what there was to drink there. I think it crossed over into into a uh, like a real addiction, and he really couldn't he couldn't stop, and it was it completely overtook his life, and it it took priority over everything and anything, and I mean over family, over business responsibilities, over family responsibilities, paying bills, um, paying the mortgage. It, it it basically alcohol was the the main star of like why my marriage was destroyed that was the most that was the most um, prominent addiction and um, it was something that it took me it, it had such an impact on my life that it took me years to even walk past a wine store like if I had to go somewhere if I was in a plaza and there was a wine store there I would drive from one store to another so I wouldn't have to walk past it. Like it was almost like living a double life. So like how it impacted me in my day to day life was that I had to like pretend like everything was fine. Like this was my new normal. So I had to go along with it and pretend like it's totally fine that my husband was sleeping all day and not making any money. And I had a part time job which Helped pay for maybe a couple grocery orders, um, a month or whatever. Well, it wasn't very much, but it, it was something, but it wasn't enough to live off of. And I, I had to like kind of pretend that this was normal to live a life like this. And I had to put up a front and a face, and it was, it was completely exhausting. And I, I had no idea how I was, I was going to live next week. I was just trying to get through the next hour.
4: When you were dating, did you see anything that would give you an indication that was he could become an addict?
5: Um, no, there there was really there was absolutely no sign of it. And even in like my first year or two of marriage, it wasn't it wasn't even like there was there was no clue that it would be such a thing.
4: Is there like one or two moments that you felt like that? really painful moments during this journey or embarrassing, like share with us because I want the next time somebody puts out by a kiddish, you know, 10 bottles of scotch, single malts and you have teenage boys and married men piling up and not taking a schnapps glass but taking like a water glass to fill it up. Share with some of the pain that they can be causing on the future spouses or children of these people.
5: There were a few a few really embarrassing moments. Um, I mentioned that because of my husband's addiction that he was not able to pay a lot of the bills in the house my car was actually repossessed in the middle of my neighborhood on a very sunny summer day when everybody's kid was out and they were all watching and of course you had like 10,000 kids on the block coming to see the tow truck and the guy was not he was not like being quiet about it he was like he was just like you know shouting the whole time and it was, it was so humiliating. Um, You know, I've gotten my utility shut off. One time it was out of Yantif that my water got shut off. It was, it was so, it was so extreme and so awful and so humiliating. And um, one time, I think it was on Yantif, my, my husband was pretty, pretty drunk. And he started yelling at me outside. We were, uh, we were standing outside and he got upset at something. So he started Yelling at me in the middle of the street. And there were couples walking and families walking, and I was begging him to be quiet and I was begging him to go inside the house, but he was completely unhinged and he just kept screaming at me in the middle of the street. And it was right outside our house, and I'll never forget that. There was no excuse for giving anybody underage, um, even Bakram, any alcohol whatsoever. you know, people, people would scoff at me and laugh at me, but I don't know. Like, I lived my life, and I've seen what happens, and it's, it's pretty scary. Alcohol is an extremely addictive substance, and it's so easily attainable. It's not illegal. Um, it doesn't take much for somebody to, to get their hands on it and to, to give it out, especially in you see
4: Is it fair to say that alcohol almost destroyed your life?
5: I think it, it's a fact that alcohol definitely helped destroy my marriage and... Almost
4: destroyed my life. Kaya, thank you. You're very brave for sharing this with us, and I hope a lot of people listen and take your words to heart.
5: Thank you so much for having me.
4: Joining us from New York is Hatsavik Rebzvi Gluck. He's the CEO of Amudim Community Resources. Welcome, Rebzvi. Hi, Shalom my wife How are you? Rebzvi, tell us, how much of a problem is drinking in our community And how much DUI have you encountered as your, in your years as an Askin?
6: So, alcohol, let me preface by saying it's a problem in every community, but we're going to focus on ours. But it is a very, very big problem in our community, and it's been getting much worse lately because now everything has become a game, you know, where people used to just have a drink to make a l'chaim, that's not enough, now it's not only how much can you drink, but it's which bottle, what year, what vintage, and, you know, people coming home from shul, kids getting into it, kids seeing their parents doing it, you know, and then thinking it's okay, and it's just something that, you know, with so much awareness
4: that has been out there, we're still seeing that this is a huge problem. So wait, anyway, wait, so before you stop. Before you go on, when I grew up, I never saw an alcoholic. We never saw it in yeshiva. Uh, we barely saw that kid. We never saw now What what changed? I mean, I'm not. A, I'm not. I didn't grow up in the 18th century. What changed since I was a child until today?
6: So first of all, what changed is when we grew up, when you grew up, when I grew up, the alcoholic was always the one that people would like make fun of and look down at. It wasn't the end thing. It wasn't like a hush of things.
4: There were no, Someone there were no, there were no alcoholics when I grew up, period. I never saw an alcoholic.
6: Yeah. Well, I could say that in my house, for example, my father made his lachaim between the fish and the meat on either a Canadian club or a drambui, you know, when alcohol started becoming the in thing and you know when we talk about the in thing that means whether it's uh, on tv shows or movies or ads or whatever else it, you know it might be um all of a sudden now it became much cooler and all of a sudden now it's something that people have to do and let's be very honest you know David, let me ask you a question the first time that you had a shot of any sort of hard alcohol did you actually enjoy it or was it disgusting to you
4: I was 13 years old, it was in Felder's Shoal in the basement, it was Simcha's it Torah, and there was vodka, and I wanted to try it, I, you know, I could have been younger than 13, around that age, and I drank like a glass of it, and I was so sick, I, I don't think I've, I've gotten drunk since then, it's many decades. Okay,
6: so, and that's really the point right now, where everybody that we know, their first drink is always disgusting always and then all of a sudden they have to have the second and the third why because they're seeing it by their parents by their parents friends they're seeing it in schools or even with their peers and it's like become such a competitive act and, and especially with everybody knowing, you know, which bourbon and which scotch and, you know, I mean, I, I got to tell you, I said this to you a while ago, I was uh, having a meal in Eretz Yisrael on Sukkot, and I had a bunch of Yeshiva Bacharim by me a few years ago, and I had one bottle of wine on the table, and I made it very clear, it's here for kiddish and a little drink. We're not here, nobody's here to get drunk. And some baker t- looks at the bottle, he goes, oh, I saw this bottle, but if you know, the year older than this is much better, like, he's like a mumcha. And I'm looking at this kid, I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, I don't know the first thing about it, but, you know, when you're, seeing this that means it's become so acceptable that now everybody has to be in it and we're not doing enough to stop it and it's a very big problem
4: so so what is it what again what has changed in our community it's is are we more assertive like, like what is it
6: so, again, it could definitely be affluence, but that doesn't solve the problem when you have these families that can't afford it, but now they have to because they're making a simchuk. So now it's becoming, a, you know, a problem with shalom and bias and so many other
2: issues. But the
6: other thing is, like like so much else in the world we're living in, things have become so acceptable that by the time you turn around, it's just the way it is, and it's very hard to dial it back. And, you know, what was the actual tipping point? I Honestly, I don't know. But I do know that until maybe... Fifteen years ago, you know, I don't think I ever, as as an individual, you know, saw these displays of alcohol by people, simchas, you know, by a shalom zocher, by a bris, by a kiddush, by a wedding, by a mitzvah. That literally, like these display cases, look like I'm I'm in an alcohol store, I'm in a liquor store.
4: So, tell us some of the stories. Like, have you have you dealt with you know, alcoholism, DUIs, addiction? Like, what's what's the fallout of it? You see the fallout. What is it?
6: So unfortunately, you know, we, we see a lot of it, and, and it's it's really really sad. So you know, the first thing is, in general, people have thrown their entire lives away
4: because of these things.
6: And you know, what the, does they that mean? They've thrown their lives.
4: What does it mean they they've mm, thrown their lives away? not
6: able to hold down a, someone's not able to hold down a job because of their alcoholism or they're destroying their family because when they're getting drunk, you know, the first thing they're doing is lashing out at their spouse or their children. And, you know, and now you have the next generation who's now not looking to even act in any appropriate way because their parent is a drunk. Why should they do anything different? And then when you reach out to rabbanim and Ashul, and I'll tell you one story that I had just recently where I reached out to a Rav of a shul, I said, listen, you have a Miss Powell whose wife called me she can't handle it anymore. Um, this guy is, is a wealthy individual. There's nothing she can do about it. She's spoken his family perhaps as the rub of the shoe you could speak to him you know we have to get him help we have to get him you know whether it's detox whether it's going to AA meetings whether it's going to a treatment program depending on the level of it and the rubs answer was I don't feel comfortable because you know he's one of our biggest donors to the shoe so it's like you know we're not even able to even attempt on that angle to go through it. Now, I will tell you that during COVID, for example, what we had, we saw a huge increase of daytime alcoholism. And this was in both genders. It didn't really make a difference where people just were just drinking because they 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 needed to drink. They, They weren't able to, you know, do anything other than, you know, just surviving with everything else that was going on. And they just were not able to deal with it. So, you know, this was a major, major thing that we saw then. But then unfortunately, as we know, these things then carry over. So it doesn't just stop now because you know people are back at work, but now all of a sudden this is you know a major thing. I mean, this year alone in Amudum we had over 300 clients that needed to be put into treatment programs for severe alcoholism.
4: I mean, define I mean, you know, severe alcoholism.
6: Not able to function without having alcohol, not able to not able to do anything else. It took over their life. Person gets up in the morning needs to have a drink. The person is at work, needs to have a drink at work, getting behind the wheel of a car. And listen, you know, we talk about drunk driving accidents, right? You know, there's a very, very interesting statistic, which is that when people are driving drunk, usually it's other people that end up dead when they get into a fatal accident. So now the driver not only can be charged with, you know, manslaughter or homicide, but also is living the rest of their entire life knowing that they killed someone or a family or, you know, someone's father, brother, sibling. So there's also a tremendous amount of that have we ha- have we had
4: any DUIs because of alcoholism in our community?
6: We we've had we've had quite a few.
4: And have we any that have caused death or manslaughter or anything like that?
6: Absolutely. There's a few cases right now. I know that, uh, you know, there was one case in Brooklyn a few years ago where the driver got 15 years in jail. There's two or three cases that I'm aware of now uh, that are pending. Uh, one of them is, is awaiting sentencing. One of them is awaiting trial. And one of them is in the middle of uh, trying to work out a, uh, a plea agreement while uh, he's in rehab. So, I mean, these are, these are things that do happen. And we can't keep our head in the sands and make believe it doesn't. And, have, had, and they've killed both Jews
4: and non-Jews, you're saying? Correct
6: i have a friend of mine never who you know he was driving back from a wedding and uh you know his friend died in the car accident and he's living with it the rest of his life you know after a whole criminal case of prosecution and this was you know a few years ago um you know these are things that really do happen and, and people don't understand the severity of it and people all think that they can figure it out like i know how much i can drink because my body can handle it and that's baloney but people don't want to Hear about what the actual long-term effects can be. And that's a very, very scary thing, you know, and, and, and there is help available. I mean, you know, uh, we, we're Baruch Hashem living in a world today where there's plenty of therapists out there that are trained in addiction, plenty of organizations that can help, rehabs, there's AA meetings, Alcohol Anonymous meetings all over the world. There's Al-Anon meetings that's for, you know, the spouse, the siblings, the parents, you know, the, the children, the friends of, of the addict, so they can, you know, have peer-to-peer support. There is help available. Obviously, the best would be prevention. Um, But, you know, let's be realistic. Right now, in our community, the number one prevention is, quote-unquote, before Purim. And I keep telling people, it's very nice that you're putting out all these ads for Purim. What about the other 364 days of the year? You know, Purim is one day. What about the rest of the year? People are drinking all year. I mean, uh, listen, Reb David, uh, let's talk very straight. Uh, You know, you ever go to a simcha and you see people sitting around the table and commenting, and not just drinking, but commenting about it, how smooth it is, how smoky it is. I mean, we can't be in denial. This is something that we see. And now think about it from the next perspective, right? The people are going to drink and now their children are seeing this. What message are we teaching our children? So then they get into trouble. So like, all of a sudden now, I can't believe this happened to my son or my daughter. What do you mean you can't believe? You, you, you put them in that place.
4: See, so you see a, a lot of addiction. You see um, alcohol addiction. You see probably marijuana addiction. You see drug addiction. What other addictions are there? Help me out here.
6: What, what we deal with regularly is, like you said, alcoholism. You know, we deal with various, uh, you know, substance abuse. We could talk you know, it's street drugs. It could be okay. prescription drugs. So you're talking about heroin. Uh, fentanyl,
4: okay. uh, you know,
6: things that can actually kill people quickly. We have a right. huge increase right now in our community of gambling addiction, gambling. which is the numbers. The numbers are jumping, you know, up like never before. A big part right. of it is because you know of the legalization. Uh, there's you know, sex addiction, um, porn addiction. Internet addiction, you know, and a lot of people assume internet addiction and porn addiction are the same. They're not. You know, people that are literally addicted to the internet, especially in the younger, you know, generation, the adolescents with these online games, that they're literally stuck to it. And then you have people that do have, you know, work addictions, which can become unhealthy, and, you know, eating you know food addictions. I mean, there's just, listen, let's say it the way it is. Too much of anything will make somebody an addict. You know, there's a concept of moderation, and there's a concept of of knowing when enough is enough, but people that overdo it, and, you know, the problem is we still have this big stigma in our community that when people do know that a loved one, you know, is going through something difficult, they're embarrassed. It's going to affect the Shadukim of their kids, of their siblings, of whatever, so it becomes a very big issue to get People the help that they need, even though help is available.
4: So, two questions, two last questions for you. You mentioned like you know five addictions, much more. But I, I'm I'm putting sex, porn, internet, sort of into one. Um, alcoholism. How much of it do you see? Like you get fifty calls a week from um, Muji. Like do you do you really see a lot of it? Like how much uh, how much do you actually see? Bear with me one second. I can give you the the actual real number. Alcoholism. We're averaging.
6: 10 to 12 new cases a month
4: and when, and for you to, to do it like what what does that mean when you like a case like how These serious
6: So if we're dealing with it as an actual case as a client, that means they're coming under our comprehensive case management system. It's not just somebody that called us and said, hey, this is a problem, we give them some advice. This is people that we are actually putting into treatment in one form or another and that we're dealing with their families, So they can either be set up with meetings, peer-to-peer support, actual treatment programs, therapists, but these are cases that... Our clinical staff at Amudim are actually managing their and their family's care on a regular basis. This is not just a call for a question.
4: Question state. A lot of people listen to this. So I don't want to talk about the Rabbanim. The Rabbanim, uh, people think they're supermen and they're supposed to fix everything in our community while managing of the most meager salary. So let's leave the Rabbanim out of this. As, as community people, what can we as a community do to bring down the incidence of alcoholism?
6: Better education in schools at younger ages without being scared of this common myth of saying, if we talk about it, then we're going to make people start doing it, you know, which is completely ridiculous. You know, I mean, in in the U.S., I read a study not too long ago, the average child has their first drink that their parents know about between 13 and 15, yet they have their first drink that their parents don't know about at this point between 11 and 12. Now we can talk about it from the younger generations, right? But I can tell you peer pressure Desire for independence and stress are a very big factors, but we also have to understand that there are, there are genetic predispositions to people that will have a higher chance of getting addicted to something, okay? Um, and there are environmental factors, social factors. What do I do? Uh,
3: me, no, me,
4: Mr. Balabas, what okay. do I do? So, so there's two
6: things. First of all, impress upon the schools to come up with real proper curriculum to educate on this. And also become knowledgeable on the actual effects of it. Speak to your kids about it. You know, if you're going to drink, drink responsibly. Be a positive role model. Make sure that you know who your children's friends are so you can see what's going on. Have open open communication is almost always the number one thing. And then this is what I tell parents all the time. There's enough information out there, you know, on drugs, for example, you have drugabuse.gov. They also have some things on alcoholism. I have to look it up. I use it mostly for drug issues. But Pull up the data and actually discuss it with the children from a scientific standpoint. Don't just talk about, you don't want to end up being a shikar or this. Explain what the problems with drinking are, what they cause, how they mess with the brain development, how they mess with the liver function. You know, let people understand what it is, not just with the scare tactic, but from an educational standpoint, because that's how you can curb it. As far as, as a balabas? First of all, if Balabasim would be willing to say that they're going to, you know, I, I can't say that they should not have any alcohol by any circumstance because that's not going to happen. But to have a rule, there's no such concept as a bottle of alcohol that's not with a shimer, whether it's a, you know, bartender or whether it's a trusted adult who could make sure that they are pouring the alcohol for whoever's drinking with a limit. person has two, two drinks no more. Underage, zero. You know, create this rule where there's no just alcohol sitting on a table someplace on a buffet that anyone can have access to it. Yes, it's important for kids, but it's important for adults as well. So if the Balabatan would, would would agree to that, and then if they would also agree to stop having this whole competitive thing of, you know, the ex- more expensive the alcohol, the better the Simcha is going to be. If somebody needs that type of alcohol to make their Simcha better, then they need a lot of other help before that.
4: Thank you very much. We're going to give you the ability to Continue being the... Uh, the when, I, when they say, I have to certainly think of you.
6: Thank you very much, Reb David. with everything you do. And thank you, as always, for bringing such important awareness to the masses who really need it.
4: to bye-bye. Joining us from Cedarhurst, New York, is Rabbi Yaakov Feitman, he's the Rav in Kehillah's base Yehudatzi of Cedarhurst. He was a Manal for many years in RJJ of Staten Island. He writes weekly for the Ated Neman and Halacha and Hashkafa. He's printed Sarim, among them Art Skull, Blueprints and Halacha and Hashkafa. Welcome Rabbi Yaakov. Shalom Aleichem, a pleasure to talk with you. So DUI, drinking, first as a Rav, you're, you're on the ground. Why do you think, when I was growing up, I imagine when you were growing up was the same thing, you just never saw drinking. What's changed? Like, what, what,
1: what happened? Hey, it's, 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 it's a very difficult pasture. Um, I, I, without identifying, I've been in a number of shuls, so I can talk about this without you know throwing anybody under the bus. It seems that the, the vicissitudes of modern life and the pressures and the anxieties have caused this this terrifying um, machla in our midst of drinking. I, I remember once walking home, uh, I, Baruch Hashem, I, I have to say it wasn't any of my shoes, but there was some, from uh, people basically carrying a guy and I didn't know what was going on. It was after a kiddush. So they told me that this is a regular um, uh, phenomenon. They carry a guy or two home, they deposit him on his porch or on, on his deck, and then Nebuchadnezzar, the lady of the house, has to deal with it. And, and, and the rest is a Bechiel unfortunately. We're, we're seeing it now in the next two generations, probably, of how it's affected those children, many of whom are drinkers like their fathers, unfortunately.
4: how, do we, how do, What in particular is causing it? It's very hard to know. Um,
1: I, I'm, I don't play psychologist or psychiatrist, but when I did have to deal with it on a number of occasions, I, w- I was privileged to be able to talk to the uh, expert in the world, in my opinion, Rabbi Dr. Torsky Zatzal, and he gave me some very strong guidance. Uh, and, and he said that it's, it's the matter um, the, 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 the of life where we're out there. Our ancestors, and I talk about my parents and grandparents, they, they weren't so involved in, in the non Jewish world, and in a certain sense, it's it's what uh, the pasuk says, "Al Gilka The says that we shouldn't imitate them, but we're living in their world these days. That SNEAS is not what it was, what it used to be, and unfortunately, alcoholism and now uh, drug addiction also has crept into our midst. And, and it's a part of, uh, you know, uh, that's, that's what I think. I mean, there's probably a lot more. But I think that it's, uh, you know, we're, we're out in that world, and we probably have to do a lot more to try to stop it.
4: Can I make a, a, a share of thought? I find yeah, that the, the bracha of Bilam was right. we, we walk alone. And what does that mean? If we spend our lives comparing ourselves to other people, it, it, happiness is impossible and unhappiness is guaranteed. So like TikTok and Instagram, even though you could say halachically, maybe there's nothing wrong with them, they go against the essence of what Klal Yisrael is, of Hainam levada Yishkein, the, the endless comparison and comparison and comparison. Whoever you are to somebody who's better looking, who's taller, who could throw further, who could catch better, who could slide faster, who could dress better, who's skinny. It's, it's a, just a recipe meant to create grief. And to me, you know, it's, it's not a halacha thing, but Rabbanim should get up and they say, let's go back to our Mila of Avram, Avram Ha'ivri, the only person, a person should compare himself to is the person he was last year or last week. Otherwise, everybody's a fingerprint, everybody's different, everybody has their own mission. Stop with the slavery the, of needing the affirmation of others. And I, I see that so much of it is the social media. Kids staying glued to it, and they look up, and their faces are like haunted, because they're all deficient. They're all they're all missing. They're all they're all small. They've been made small by these devices. And it should be usa mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you could you could play TikTok, you could play uh, 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 Scrabble all day on the other day. you TikTok and Instagram and the genuine the that is constantly about comparing and measure its 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 poison for the soul
1: absolutely i, I you know I, I was thinking you know when when uh, we we spoke about so what what hit me instantly was one of the most famous passages of reverber Kutl's that's on the mistress rebound cuz he keeps coming back to the ben Sai ramayor and he says that um the, the Ramban says that the problem that the Serb ben does not follow Kedoshim to you. So he says, Ramban says, look at this, here's a guy that's stealing, we're worried that he's going to kill, and and what is he getting punished for? And we're not punishing him for anything he did yet. We're saying, Hashem Soifei. So what are we what are we punishing for? Because he wasn't the kind of to you. So Ramban says, one of the most amazing passages I, I thought of Ramban, is that he says, it's a limu gad lech, kaleche she costume is kind now this is very similar to what you're saying is that that if we're comparing and we're we're somehow um evaluating who we are or what we are sort of like the Moragam also by the way because they looked at themselves as being small as you just said but thebar Re- says that that we have to make sure that we don't forget that we're Kedoshim and they're not and and you know I I remember Rabbi tosky that's how telling me that you have to try to tell your people that that's not holy, getting drunk is not holy. Now you mentioned halacha. It's halacha in Hilcha that a shaychat a can't get drunk, uh, a mayro hairoh can't be drunk, and and if he gil is shiklusa shalait, it's like a shayta, that's halacha, halacha b'suchin shulchan and we're making our children, I'm not talking about the adults right now, they're, they're causing it, but the children are becoming insane. Literally insane from this, and it's 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 a very terrifying scene. By the way, I I, I you know you said that that we're the rabbanim enough to speak. Um, I I I Baruch Hashem when I came to one of my schools, I don't want to identify. They had a regular. Um, Kiddush club going on. The 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 day that that I the first, my first Shabbos, that first Russia was about canceling the Kiddush club, and I had some people very angry at me. And then Baruch Hashem, you know, they came around after a year or two or three. Took a long time that they realized that their children are looking different, they're looking different, and their wives thanked me profusely and and they told my Rebbezim that it may have saved their lives. But what, but when these, you say the
4: kiddush, kiddush club, what does a, ki- a Kiddush club mean? You don't allow a Kiddush, or you don't allow the drinking. No, no, so I don't
1: allow the kid. The, the kiddish club is a very, very strange uh, beast. The kiddish clubs, and it wasn't my school, but I, I yashined it, that downstairs, upstairs, or you know, wherever it's someplace in the building, they walk out of davening, you know, if it's, uh, you know, after kiddush or during laning, during the time is very popular, and they go down, they make kiddush, and they drink. They drink to their heart's content. So then I got rid of. Now, did I get rid of every kiddush that's happening every place? No. I wish I did. Um, I've, I've reduced it very much, but I, I don't think that, I, I, I wouldn't be realistic if I said it's never happening. But it's Baruch Hashem, at least on my watch, very, very little. But they do some drinking. What I've, I've said was, if, if you're a mensch you want to make a lechayim, you want to make kiddush on, on booze, not make kiddushan with that's a it. But, but if you want, make one lechayim that if your children and other people's children see, then you're not having a second drink. Make a lechayim. Minig, whatever you want to call it. Minig is I see as sometimes, unfortunately. But more than that, you are destroying an entire dar. And Baruch Hashem, I, I think I've seen Paris from it. It's interesting, by the way, I have to mention, have you rep- the Ibn Ezra says, it's also brought by Rebbe. Baron, by the way, that a person that engages in this kind of activity does not be because he's not interested. He doesn't believe that there's an Eilam Havar. That's what they have in Ezra says, uh, close to a thousand years ago. So in a certain sense, this obsession with um, personal uh, enjoyment, pleasure, that, that's something that's not, that's not a Yiddish Shazach. It shouldn't be in any case.
4: Well is it even pleasure? I mean, do people enjoy getting drunk or is it just some type of a, like you know addictive behavior some sick addictive behavior?
1: yeah no, there's no question about it they they, they probably think that they're enjoying it because I, I don't know about you I've seen these, and I know nothing about these these various liquors. but I've heard Rabbanim discussing the various i, I must say fine mem talking about the various um, advantages of a certain uh burden or or, or, or uh, I don't even know what they are, to be very honest. But over another one when it's a very expensive Bible in schools where there's some uh, people that are quite quite wealthy and they're comparing notes on the booths. And this is adding Yiddish Kiddish that's up since Gilka so, um, I mean, my, my own plan, especially in light of some, of some recent ter- terrifying uh, events, that uh, I'm, I'm going to probably be talking about it, uh, Shabbat Shuvah and, and during all, all, all of Elul. Everybody has a little bit of his, uh, during Elul and Yom government. And we, I speak to myself as well, but maybe mainly to myself, have to take advantage of these days and, uh, and use it to try to stop this because it's, it's a magaifa. It's a big say- COVID.
4: When you say terrifying events, what are you referring to? The children, you know, children, not children, but young adults
1: that, that have gotten into accidents and uh, literally killed people. That's
4: what I mean.
3: Wow. It, it
1: was more than once and uh, more than once and in some of the best of places, the best
4: of neighborhoods, best of homes. Ain't bias, ain't some ace. So, Rabbi Feitman, do you think that... Um you know, raising money is, is uh, they go around collecting money for their legal funds. Do you see, do you see that as pigeon and
1: No, not really. Not really. You know, there's a, we, we actually, those that are learning about Germany will probably recognize this. Just recently in, in, in the dots and uh, the portion that we all bring down, they bring down a shiva a of the Yankees and Tzadzal, and the shil said about, uh, there was a yid that killed another yid in, in a fit of uh, they, they got into a fight and then one of them knifed the other killed him. And the question was, one of said that since the government will let him off, if he makes a sure HaMura and he swears on the Bible, then he should do it because today there's no... We don't have skills to out a of the So you know, he, can, he has to get off. He doesn't have to commit suicide. And, and uh, he, he can get off even by making a shavu. But the said, so, what are you talking about? Bin Hagam, he's like There's such a thing as has your mind to get killed. So, so you can't do that. Now, you know, we could discuss and debate, but the point is that there is such a thing as, uh, it, it, it's it's a fear on all of us to make sure that we don't do things that will result in, at, at the very least, and I shouldn't say the very least, but at the worst, it would, it would be death, but the destruction of, of the next generation. Many of them just see their fathers, they adulate their fathers, or at least they imitate or emulate their fathers and they they become drunkards already. I just heard some of them to Torsi already 15, 20 years ago. So um it's interesting that I, I think that's Muslim it's it's horrific chinuch, but it's also you know, you, you, you give up all these opportunities. Even if there's a you know there's somebody behind the bar and he's supposedly not giving you know, somebody somebody promises him some money or he doesn't care. He just wants to make everybody happy, and meanwhile these fifteen year olds are drinking away and it 's not just in christyder, so i I definitely think that we have to do everything in our power, and i don 't think that it 's just for him in my opinion at all
4: so here 's the question. Um you make a uh, you make a kiddish on Shabbos. and 15 boys comes and now you want to put out a bottle of schnapps. okay like you said one a, a little sip of schnapps is fine do you have to start asking older boys to produce their licenses to, to get their ages out of them like what is what is a bottle of bus you want to be responsible okay look there's, there's ten, hundreds of millions of alcohol sold in the United States a year wine you put out a bottle of wine on a, on a on a by a party or something by an engagement party do you have to start carting you guests. Is that the responsibility of the Balabus?
1: Well, I think it is. Uh, I think it absolutely is. Uh, I think because it ain't a the site, So, like, you know, in other words, we allow, allow everybody. So then, then there's going to be 16-year-olds. or 15-year-olds. and Some of them are pretty big guys. And there's little baby baby bar mitzvah boys. Everybody sees that they're very young. And there's some of them that look like like big losers, literally. I'm afraid to say that, but uh, they, uh, they're there. I think we, we all have to make it darn. It would be very, very good. And, and, and we're, we're talking to many people here. You're, you're very popular, Baruch Hashem, and your, your shows are listened to by many thousands that the Rabbinim should get together. There are many rabbinic organizations and, um, I, I would I would hope that we would hear from the Darweezah, the Asr that would say that we should do whatever we can. Well, not that we can we to do more than we have done before, because this is a nagefa that that we never had in Klawl Yisrael, and it's it's already resulted in tragedy. We we, we shouldn't uh, wait
4: for more. So last question: You know somebody who's drink who's under the influence and drinking, or, or or drinks under the influence? You call the police on him. Well,
1: uh, I I think that that it. It, it, it's, it's okay to do, but we have to know, was it a one-time thing, was it the first time, What do we know that the fellow was a shaker? I mean, uh, he's you know, if he's done it,
4: let's do, if he's done it one time versus a few times, what would you say?
1: No, at one time. So I don't know. Sometimes, you know, it can happen to anybody. But if somebody is, is a, uh, you know, either a mumalakak or, or, or is a, is, you know, a so then at some point, yes, we have to. But well, we have to be the fives them in advance that that's what we will be doing. There has to be over here a, a, a you know, a nurse's. And I think that would be the message.
4: Thank you very much, Rabbi Fight Rabbi Yaakov.
1: I, I won't say it's my pleasure, it's my covenant and the uh, Chicago for all that you want to so. call yourself.